Welcome to our podcast at the Clemson Foothills Church. We're glad you're here. Join us as we discover what the Bible says about Jesus loving God and serving each other. Feel free to visit our website at clemsonfoothills.com and find us on Facebook at Clemson Foothills Church. At CFC, we're just a group of people following Jesus and helping others do the same. So hopefully this podcast will be useful to you. Now let's dive into the episode for this week. And um, my hope is is that all of us will know these scriptures and they will begin to not need to even be put up. It's just our starting point that we understand this idea of John, after he was in prison, Jesus went into Galilee and proclaimed the gospel of God. And again, my hope is, is that everything that we're talking about is transferred down to the heart level to where this is how we operate in our world, that this is kind of always running in the background of Jesus came and he said the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is near, meaning the kingdom of God, he said, is available, is amongst us, is everywhere, the kingdom of God is near, repent and believe the gospel, and without there being a continual repetitiveness to us over and over and over again, this doesn't become, become our, our natural operating system. All right, it doesn't, it, it will never be that. This will just be scriptures to get put up, right? And so, you know, when he went along the sea, you know, as he's saying this, repent and believe the gospel, and he went along and he saw Simon and Andrew and Simon's brother casting a net into the sea, and he said, Follow me, and I will turn you into fishers of people. Okay, is, is I hope that this is, that this is such an introduction. To Jesus coming and going, my kingdom is available and amongst us right now. And he he doesn't just say, man, come and receive forgiveness and then go live however you want. Right. I, I know sometimes we would think that would be fantastic. Except that would be hell on earth is what that would be. That would be torturous. That would be absolutely one of the worst things that we could ever have happen to us is that he would go, here, I'm going to give you forgiveness and trust me that I forgive you for your sins, but now go and live the life the way you feel like living it. We would be in utter torture because life would be no different than anyone else. There would be no answers for anything. There would be no differences. There would be nothing Right? And so there's that side of it going, man, wouldn't it be great? No, it would be terrible if he didn't say, follow me and I will make you fishers of people. Right? If he didn't give that purpose, if he didn't say, no, follow me and I'm going to teach you this way, right? And it's going to, you know, help you have purpose in life to see what's really most important. And, you know, we took Mark 1, those four verses, and then we had kind of a bookend that we put in there, and that's this great commission of Jesus saying, go make disciples of all nations, right? He's, between these bookends is what, how he teaches us right. how to do that, right? Um, but he says this, is all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go and make disciples, baptize them. We've seen that, right? Hopefully, this is these are paraphrases I put up. They're helpful to me. I don't know what your paraphrase would sound like. Follow me and I'll teach you and show you how to live a kingdom life. 
All right, that's, that's helpful for me to remember. You'll see, this is Jesus talking. You'll see, not really, this is Jesus in my mind, paraphrasing this, okay? You'll see enemies, worry, priorities, retaliation, sexuality, money, and things in a kingdom way. You must put your trust and allegiance to me as your king. Die and be born again, emptied of sin, but filled with the Holy Spirit. As my apprentice, I will change you into someone who can do the good work that I am doing. You'll proclaim this gospel and teach the people how to enter and live in my kingdom. All right? Like I said, I'm not sure how you would paraphrase all of those things, all right? But this is me just putting this in the Keith Clemson version for my own purposes of kind of molding all of this together. And again, why is that helpful? It's just... Because I want it to sink from here to here. Like I want to sink, I want these things to sink progressively deeper into my heart. Alright, it's too easy for it to stay in my head. It's too easy for it to just go, this is like an intellectual exercise, okay? But here's a little bit of a shift, alright? And I brought this up on Thursday. Is, well, what did he mean by that? My hope is that there's a question that we begin asking, like, well, how, how did he mean for us to do this, though? Like, like, what did he mean when he talked about the gospel and being born again and following him in repentance? Like, what did he mean? But I hope, and, and, and here's where the subtle change of us going, hold on a minute, but how did he mean for that to happen? Right. How did he mean that so we don't just kind of continually like gain more and more information? And here's the deal is, well, how there was this primary way and Ami shared it in his prayer, okay, is this idea of he's saying we, we have to know him. And, and, and I know talking to church, man, talking to church, everybody's going, yeah, that's great. We all know him. Don't worry. Right? Except here's the interesting thing is, is. You know, using this example, if somebody were to walk up to you and say, you know, who's Dabo? We could be able to have, I mean, there's a lot of opinions. Very few people are lacking in an opinion. Everybody feels like they know who Dabo is, right? Who's Taylor Swift? Okay. I mean, these are... These, these are pretty popular people that we could say, and I could, if I knew everybody's little niche in the world, there's probably someone you could go, well, who's this person? You would go, oh, let me tell you. Let me tell you, and I've memorized everything they've ever said. I use their, I use their language all the time. Uh, I try to be like them. They're the greatest, you know, and all of these different things. And everybody, you have your little niche of that, possibly. Right? But very rarely... If people were to come and say, oh, hey, who's Jesus? We say things like, well, he's our savior. Or we'll say he's king. Like if we're really getting into things, right? He's king of the kingdom. Okay, right, that's right answers. That's right answers. He's my Lord and savior. It's like, who's Dabo? Oh, he's a head football coach. Really? Okay, great. That's a fantastic title. It, it begins to occur to me, though, that we can know titles. 
And, you know, when you ask somebody, let's make it more personal. If somebody went up and said, insert your spouse's name. Who's this person? My wife. Okay. What about her? Got married. Anything else? At what point would we go, wow, there's something not connecting to us? <laughs> like, thanks for the title. Oh, that's my spouse. Been married 23 years, 27 years, 45 years, whatever. You know, you go, that's, thank you for passing along that information. But when you know, like, truly, like, this idea of knowing Jesus and what he's, not just his title, but what he's about, and what he's done, and what he's doing, that we truly are able to go, and let me tell you about Jesus. Right. It sounds great, and no one will ever be upset with, like, well, he's Lord and Savior. I, I, to me, I'm, at what point are we going, okay, how can we become more superficial? Like, is that, the, is that what he is? He's good at sacrificing himself. Here's the interesting thing, is take what you do in life, okay? Maybe it's your major, maybe it's your profession. Right. Have you ever considered, or would you consider, that Jesus knows more about what you do than you do? Mm -hmm. Like, what I mean by that is oftentimes we stop at him being, he's good at love, he's good at sacrificing himself. But he doesn't know how to live my life. He doesn't know how to date. He doesn't know how to be married. He doesn't know anything about my profession. I'm better at that. Like, like if he could just walk with me through my day to just be with me, that would be great. But we don't attribute to Jesus any kind of intellect. We don't attribute to Jesus any kind of, like, the idea of he actually invented all of the things that have accounted for what we do in life. But we can kind of go through our life kind of like, well, he wouldn't understand what I do. Okay? Here's the interesting thing. This is a quote by Dallas where when you stop thinking about how can one actually trust him for the forgiveness of sins while not trusting him for much more than that? You can't trust him without believing he was right about everything. When we read the word of God, Jesus is right about everything. We can't trust him and say he, we don't believe he was right about everything and that he alone has the key to every aspect of our lives here on earth. Every single aspect of our lives, he knows. He's right about those things. But if you believe that, you will naturally want to stay as close to him as you can in every aspect of life. Hopefully, hopefully there's like these little like stepping stones we're beginning to kind of question in ourselves, okay? Do I actually believe Jesus is right about everything? He's not right about money, though. He's not right about making money. He's not right about using money. He barely can understand sexuality in our culture today. Okay? Here's an interesting thing right here. 68% of Americans, this is a study in Arizona Christian University, a pretty broad study. 68% of Americans claim to be followers of Jesus. Only 6% of these believe that Jesus is right about everything. 6%. How 
have a worldview. That they view the world and they and they say, okay, the lens I view it through is through the teachings of Jesus. Only only six, only forty one percent of ministers believe it to be true. Right? Yeah, the guy standing in my place. Can you imagine that? Four out of ten. Right. 9% of those who say they're apprentices of Jesus believe that what he teaches is the right way. Wow. That's stunning. Yeah. But we strive so desperately to want to just like, hey, why can't we all say we're just all Christians? This is, I don't know, man. I mean, knowing Jesus and loving Jesus, it bothers me that we can be so arrogant. To go, no, 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 you want to know what? We should accept everything, everywhere, every other Christian says. And it should all be equal. When 9% of those who say, I am an apprentice of Jesus. But I do not believe he teaches the right way. Four in ten pastors. Okay, that, that's stunning. And our goal isn't to take this into like social commentary. Our goal isn't to take this and go, how dare them if they were only like us. But these numbers are us. This is the world we live in. Right? This is the city we live in. This is the community. And I I get it. Like this can be uncomfortable. But the truth of the matter is it comes back to and go, well, how did he mean for us to do this thing that we call the Great Commission? To go and make disciples. How did he mean for us to do that? He said, well, you have to know me. I I have to be known by you from the head to the heart and every aspect of how I view things, how I view money and how I view people and how I view relationships and how I view sexuality. All right? We have to know him. All right? I spoke about this at Pretty Place, and I know everybody was kind of all over the place at Pretty Place, but here's the starting point, okay? It's, well, how do I get to know him? Because there's a gazillion different sections of the Bible that you can go to and go, well, here he is, and here he is, and here he is. Okay, the goal isn't for the Sunday afternoon lesson to do all the heavy lifting so we all know who Jesus is, but to interact and to come to him as who he is. All right, turn over, if you will, to John chapter 6, all right? John chapter 6, verse 35, okay? And and just ask yourself as we're reading through this, do I really believe this is true? Like that this is actually true? John chapter 6, verse 35, Jesus says this, simply put, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life, Jesus told them. No one who comes to me will ever be hungry, and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. Can you imagine not hungering or thirsting for anything? Like, clearly we have to eat food and drink water still. Like, our bodies physiologically, he's not talking about a meal. But all of the desires, all of the wants, all of the things that it's like, but I, I have to have things. I have to have, you know, you, you, you name it. He's like, no, no one who comes to me 
this is quite a statement right here. No one who comes to me, okay? Now, I want you to think about this. Is This is usually where the rubber meets the road, right? Of the, of the 68%, they go, man, I'm a Christian, okay? But then you, you look at that and you're like, oh, man, really? There's a, a very small percentage, like 9%, that actually are like, no, that dude, that's the way I'm living. That's the way I'm going. That's the path I'm going down. He's my king. I'm his apprentice, okay? This is where the rubber meets the road because the vast majority of churchgoers are going to go, oh, that's a cute saying, but he didn't mean it. Mm -hmm. And it can't be lived out. It can't be possible, all right? Understand when those thoughts are going through our minds, we're literally saying, Jesus, you aren't right, you can't do what you said. Like, you are an absolute fraud. Okay, what you're telling us to do is not possible. All right, and then now let's go and try to pretend that we didn't see this now. Right. Let's go and try to pretend that he didn't say that. And just live really good lives and hope that people can be fooled into wanting to follow him. Right. right? Isn't it amazing what we do? Yeah. I mean, you talk about this great commission, but if we don't know him then you don't have an internal kind of awareness and a temperature and a zeal. And so it's like, I better tell people things about Jesus that's going to let them know that I, I hope they fall for it too. I think far too often, man, we come as the body of Christ hungering and thirsting for everything else. And simply put, that's us saying, you weren't right, you aren't right, and you won't be right. No one will ever be thirsty. But as I told you, you've seen me and yet you don't believe. Everyone the Father gives me will come to me. The one who comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose none of those he has given me, but should raise them up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father. That everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him may have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. Therefore, the Jews started complaining about Him because He said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. And they were saying, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we knew? How can He now say, I've come down from heaven? And Jesus says, stop complaining among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has listened to and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. I assure you, anyone who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. There's a lot of like little triggers in there that he just taught. Man, I'm telling you, he, he, this is crazy. He had a lot of things where going, man, I like this. I like this idea. Anyone who see, or I mean, uh, uh, anyone who believes has eternal life. I love that. I'm going to just shut off everything else I read. Right? I, I love that. Like there's certain things in church, man. It's like, hey, don't you want that? Don't you believe? Will you believe? Come on and believe. You'll have eternal life too. How about that? Everybody, and it's like, man, that sounds great. That sounds fantastic. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Hold up, what happened? You mean Jesus said repent? But the preacher just told me just believe and have eternal life. Like, I like what the preacher said, not what Jesus said. Jesus isn't right, the preacher's right. 
All right? We, we've got to go through some crazy things just reading through this, okay? But keeping this in mind, no one who comes to me will ever hunger or thirst again. Right? That's, that's powerful. That's powerful right there, okay? Um, your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. He said, this is the bread that comes down from heaven so that anyone may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. But Jesus, you just said just believe in you. Now you're saying we have to eat you. Okay, and I'm saying this tongue in cheek because this is how poorly we handle the word of God. Yeah. Right? So we're going, hold up a minute, but now he's got another thing. If anyone eats this bread, he'll live forever. The bread I will give you for the for the life of the world is my flesh. Okay, he just like took it up. He's like, no, 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 no. You come in and eat my body. At that, the Jews argued among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? That makes sense. Like there, maybe, just maybe, he wasn't even talking about his physical flesh. Probably not, because there's a finite amount of it, okay? So Jesus said, I assure you. So he doubles down. He's like, listen. Here's what I love about Jesus is his thing is, is he isn't necessarily going to do the heavy lifting of interpreting everything for us. Right. So he, he hears the people go, oh, so he thinks we just got to eat his flesh. He's like, I'm about to double down. If you, if, you are, if you are so desperately not going to try to learn from me, wow. fine, I've got something else. I assure you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you don't have life in yourself. I mean, he's painting a very powerful picture of who he is right here. He's saying, me inside of you, my people will ingest me. And it will have real consequence. Just like food and drink going into somebody, there will be real consequence from that. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. I'll raise them up on the last day because my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood lives in me, and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. It's not like the manna your fathers ate, and they died. The one who eats this bread will live forever. He said these things while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. I am the bread of life. Anyone who comes after me will feed on me. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood lives in me, and I in him, just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live. I think we've all come to the conclusion that he actually isn't telling us like my physical body must be eaten. But when you start thinking about like, okay, well then what is this metaphor? What is this idea that he's trying to get? This idea of everything that Jesus is, he goes, I want my people to feed on that. Feed on that. 
And then we have to start asking ourselves questions. But before we do that, we've got to And again, just keeping in mind what we're talking about is, is we've been asking the question, well, what did he mean? And then he's going, well, how? Like, okay, how are we supposed to do that? Well, we have to know Jesus. Well, how do I know that we feed on him? When he was tempted in the desert, he was hungry. And Satan came to him and said, hey, here's what you can do, Jesus. You can turn things into food. And there's rocks. What if you made that rock into a big old piece of bread? Then you could eat. Why don't you do that? Right? And you remember what Jesus said? He goes, no, no, no. He goes, listen, here's the man does not live on bread alone. Okay, this is this is right here, like butting up. Man doesn't live on bread alone, but on what does man live on? Every word that comes from the mouth of God. Okay, essentially what he's saying, we're going, I love that verse. I love when he says that. I love all of those things. He's telling us, this is how you feed on me. This is how you feed on me, okay? But when we say that, you know, man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We've got to ask ourselves a question. Okay, I can go, no, Jesus, you're wrong. I live just fine, and I'm never in your word. Mm. I don't need that. I mean, because here's the deal is, is, well, like what we behave like and what we talk like and all those things is simply just telling the world and telling God, this is what you actually believe. But no, I'm not going to be in the Word of God. Uh, it's okay. Uh, maybe I'll be in the Word of God mostly. Maybe I'll look to the Word of God to guide us as apprentices. Maybe I'll do that when I really, really need something. What if you don't find reading very stimulating? What if you don't find, like, you're going, but Keith, how much do I have to read? And is this just one of those things that I have to, but I read it and I don't feel full and I don't feel... Here's the interesting thing is, is like, really, if you're, if you're going to the Word to feed on, is, first and foremost, this idea of even trusting, do I even think that this is nourishment to me? Like, am I, is there any nourishment that requires me to even ask questions of the text? Like, how is the text meant to nourish? How is the text meant to guide? How is this text meant to teach and convict and to encourage? How is the text meant? It requires an active approach to the text. Right? I'm not just going, why? Man, you don't know what? I read it. I read a chapter every single day. You know what Keith said? It doesn't work. It doesn't work. This isn't food. Here, here's the fear of this when we read something like this on the bread of life I think it's challenging when we read Jesus' teachings uh, in Matthew chapter 4 when he said man doesn't live by bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of God uh, here's the greatest fear right is that we will settle in as a community because and, and Pat brought this up in his, commun- in his communion is I have everything I need already have everything I need. We have everything we need. Right? 
we, we can sit in church on a Sunday or a Thursday even, right? We, we can do that. We can sit in church and go, I'm not that hungry because I've already been fed. The world feeds me. The world gives me what I want. The world has satisfied me. Right? That's a, that's a really, really, really like a scary place to be. And why this is so important right here, okay? Why this, why this part is so important when we're talking about like, well, aren't we talking about going and making disciples, man? Like, just know some scriptures and give them to people and bring them in. Like, don't make it that hard. Okay? Except you can't be a derelict ambassador. Okay? You can't. There's no way. We, we can't possibly represent the kingdom of God if in our lives we're going, hold on a minute. Let me, let me introduce you to the king. Here's why he's the bread of life. This is what's nourishing. This is how he nourishes. This is my, my hunger over time should be waning. Like that's maturity as we grow. Over time, our hungering, our thirsting for what people think about us in the world, right? About what I get in the world, about having all my dreams in the world, all of that, all of the material things I want, all of the emotional things that I want, all of that should wane after a while and go, we're perfect, we're not hungry. We're not hungry and we're not thirsty because this living bread is available and we're feasting on this every single day and not just when we have the Bible open, we're feeding on it through the day. We're actually saying, Jesus, you know you are right about everything. Right? That, that's a pretty crazy place to be, okay? And so here's what I want us to do. There's just this little exercise this week. Go bring it in. You can't read that. Okay, so I'm going to bring it up a little bit. Okay. Uh, and, and, and this will be, you know, sent out. You'll see it on the 94,000. Here's the way that we, like, dive into this is, is we've got to begin practices and exercises and habits and rhythms of feeding on the Word of God. Now, now again, you can go. This isn't like, man, to keep just add like a whole new command, like we have to do this. No, no, no. This is this is just a five little five day exercise. Okay, what's the first part? Is this is this idea of prayer of having a quiet place that we sit down and pray? Okay, Psalm one nineteen verse eighteen is that we're guided by God. Okay, and a willing heart to obey. Deuteronomy five twenty seven, and then what does thirty for thirty mean? It's taking thirty minutes in a text and recording 30-ish thoughts or ideas or points of repentance, insights, all right? It's taking 30 minutes so you, have, you can have your clock out or something like that, all right? And here's the thing is, is there's not a need to rush through it. Read the text out loud. The text we're going to be working from is this, John 6, 35 through Right there at the end, right there at 59. Okay? That's going to be the text that we're together going to wrap our arms around this week. All right? And so this is just day one right here is this idea of, okay, find a quiet place and sit down and tune everything else out. Yeah, you 30 minutes. Start reading through the text. Read, listen, there's no need to rush. Really, you think, I mean, listen, by the time you get to four minutes into this thing, you're going to think it's torture. You're going to go, I don't know what to do for the next 26 minutes. 
minutes. All right, if you make it to six minutes or eight minutes or 10 minutes, you're going to go, oh my goodness, this is, right? It's read through the text, pray through the text. Read through it a number of times. Don't rush. Pay attention. Don't forget the context. Who's speaking? Don't forget that, okay? Continue reading through. Write down any thoughts or questions, feelings, insights, fears as they pertain to this text. Okay? Just go through. I say 30 years because if you want to go more than 30, that's fine. Right? If you experience what I experienced, I get to like 20, and I'm like, I nailed that 20, and then the next 10 take like 28 minutes to get to. Alright? Keep reading, writing, praying, 30 thoughts, 30 minutes, okay? And then here's day two, and day three, and day four, and day five. So, so here's the interesting thing is, you don't have to go home and start this tonight. You don't have to start it tomorrow. This is, if you start on Wednesday, you'll finish on Sunday. Tuesday, you'll finish on Saturday. This is just a five-day exercise. Is take that list, and each day, set it in front of God and pray over it. Like, take what was in here that went down on paper with the text that you were reading and pray through it. And continue to take notes. Areas of repentance. What are you being learned? What are you being called to obey? Alright, that's day two and day three, day four and day five. Is it okay to reread the text? Absolutely. My hope would be is this would be a text that we're on and meditating on every single day. What do you mean? Was he serious? What does it look like? How does my life look like this? What does it look like to really feed on him, okay? It's really just this very simple exercise. But here's the interesting thing. Where does it connect, okay, when we go back to, but Keith, where does it connect if we're talking about like making disciples and being a church of disciple makers and all that is, here's the interesting thing, starting things don't produce anything. For, for too long, that's been an okay thing in Christianity in general, is you can be completely starved and then go and get, tell somebody else how to go get food. Yeah. Right? Is without the feeding, without the nourishing, deeply in, in us, individually, families, community, without that, the, the produce is going to be what, you know, I mean, everything that produces something needs nourishment. And if we're talking about kingdom things, then we need the king's nourishment. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about us or have any questions, please visit ClemsonFoothills.com. You can also text Foothills to 94000 to stay up to date on everything going on here at CFC. 